0: The holy and transformational day of Yom Kippur is upon us. A couple of days ago, we did a podcast about the scapegoat, and we talked about the theory of Yom Kippur, what we're trying to do, how we're trying to absorb the power and the impact of this day. And now, as we are on the doorstep of the holiest day of the year, I wanted to speak about the practical. How to make Yom Kippur useful and productive and meaningful, and uplifting. A single Yom Kippur is capable of changing a person forever. You could emerge from Yom Kippur a different person, your life forever upgraded. But it's not going to happen on its own. If someone snoozes through your purchase going through the motions, I'm so hungry. How many more pages do we have left? Oh, it's only 1.15 in the afternoon. I got six more hours of this. Such an attitude will not result in a productive, transformative, life-changing experience. And now, as this great day is upon us, now is the time to take this seriously. So I wanted a survey some of the ways that we can make the most of this incredible day. And there's no other way to describe this day. It is, in fact, incredible. It's bursting with opportunity. This is the day of all the days of the year. This is the day when God is closest to us. God's always close to those who call out to him. But the rest of the year, God is less close to us. He's close now with the sound of the shofar, at the end of Niil at the end of Yom Kippur, there is a barrier, there is distance that's erected. We have closeness for Yom Kippur. We have, of course, closeness for the whole 10 days of repentance. But the epitome of closeness is on Yom Kippur. And later on, God is less close. The Talmud tells us that the primary antagonist of our life, a three-headed monster called the Satan, the Sahara, evil inclination, And the angel of death, this is a force that is only active 364 days a year. There's one day. There's one day a year where this force has no power. And that's Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day of total mercy, of total kindness. This is a day that cannot be matched by any other day. The verse tells us, on this day, this is in Leviticus 16.30, on this day, God will atone for you. He will cleanse you. To purify you from all your sins. When you're close to God, when you're before God, may you become pure. Yom Kippur is the day of cleansing, of purification. We enter it and we're sullied with sin our soul is peppered with blemishes we have all these flaws we have a whole year's worth of spiritual baggage that we bring with us and when we emerge when we depart from this day when that hallowed sound of the shofar blast at the end of neilah is heard we're clean We're purified. Our sins have been expunged. Our blemishes have been healed. Our spiritual maladies have been remediated. That's the power of this day, the day of total transformation. The book of Talmud on Yom Kippur, it's called Yoma, which means the day If you just talk about a day, and it's the day, it's not a day, it's the day. What's the day? It's Yom Kippur. This is the most powerful and auspicious day of the year. This is the day that everything can change. On this day, Moshe descended from heaven with a second set of tablets. This is the day when we secured full forgiveness for the sin of the golden calf. And that experience of total cleansing of contamination, of total purification, we revisit that every year. And now that day is upon us. On this day of supreme closeness to God, God will forgive us. God will purify us. God will cleanse us of any flaws. Now, there's an incredible kindness in the timing of things. Rosh Hashanah, that's the day of judgment. On that day, our verdict, and the verdict of the people in our families, our children, our parents, our colleagues, our friends, our neighbors, nations, the whole world. The verdict is written. It's inscribed. And on Yom Kippur, the verdict is sealed. And hopefully over the course of the days of repentance, we've, we've moved the needle. We've improved the verdict. If it was a bad verdict, hopefully it was torn up. But Yom Kippur is a day when the judgment is sealed. Ni'ilah. Neila is the final prayer of Yom Kippur. And the word Ni'ilah means the sealing, the locking, the closing. This is when everything gets closed. And isn't it amazing? Isn't it an incredible gift, an incredible example of divine kindness? That on the day that God is most close to us, on the day when God demonstrated his attribute of kindness and mercy more than any other day, on the day when God forgave us for the most egregious sin of all, that's the same day when the judgment is sealed. The day when our judgment is sealed coincides with the day where the Almighty is most forgiving of our misdeeds. It's an incredible coincidence. Yom Kippur is both the day where God is most forgiving and merciful and most inclined, so to speak, to purify us, to forgive us. A day designated for total mercy and total kindness. And it just happens to be that this is the day when our fate is sealed. Of course, it's not a coincidence, but it's something to marvel upon. What incredible kindness. The Cripper is a day that we cannot miss. And we can change everything, but it won't happen If we rest on our laurels, we kick back on our pews, we glance at our watch and wait for it to end. If we don't do something, if we don't pay the price to find out what it costs, what do we need to do to get these benefits? If we do nothing, we're not going to get the incredible benefits of Yom Kippur. What is the price? that we need to pay to earn, to gain that life-changing transformation of Yom Kippur. So, of course, the Rambam tells us Yom Kippur works. The verse says so. Again, it's a verse in Scripture. On this day, God will forgive us for all our sins. This verse appears about only one day of the year on Yom Kippur, the 10th day of Tishrei. On this day, no other day, Is this true? On this day, God says, I want to forgive. I'm dispensing forgiveness and kindness and cleansing and purification. Who is interested? This is the day. However, it's conditional. It's conditional on repentance. The Rambam tells us in the Laws of Repentance, chapter one, law number three, the essence of the day of Yom Kippur Mechaper, it atones, la shavim, for penitence, for those who repent. Everything about this incredible day hinges on repentance. Provided that we repent, that we take a step towards God, that we make a move towards God, that we try to return to our roots, to our source, to our creator, if we take a step, if we are included in the class of people that are returnees, God will forgive all of our sins. That's the price we need to pay. The order of the day is repentance, to find a way to return to God. To find a way to realign our values, our priorities, our choices, our behavior, our life, to align it with the ideal fashion, to really live our life to the fullest, to the maximum, to live a higher level of living, to mend our relationship with the only real existence with God to regret the choices that we made that brought distance between us and our Creator. Repentance is to come back home, to restore the equilibrium that we started with. That's what we need to do in Yom Kippur. That is what the whole day is about. God is giving repentance More than any other day. And there's no resistance. The satan is not a factor. The only thing that can stop this from happening is if we opt out. If we make ourselves a candidate. We say we want, we want to do it. We want to be a recipient of this divine whitewash. We want to be eligible for the divine cleanse and purification of Yom Kippur. If we want, if we're interested if we want to sign up for this golden opportunity, God is freely dispensing the tremendous blessing of Yom Kippur. We need to repent. We need to be interested. Yom Kippur is an amazing day. The Almighty is handing out pardons to anyone who asks. He is dispensing purity to anyone who seeks it. It's a day of cleansing, of spiritual restoration, and it's all being handed out freely. You get cleansing, and you get cleansing, and you get purity, and you get purity. All you need to do is raise your hand and say, I want it. I want to upgrade and improve my life. I want to upgrade and improve my relationship with my Creator. I want to live a richer, more meaningful life. I want closeness. With the divine. I want to live as a soul, to live in the eternal life, not just this world that's full of distractions and all forms of nonsense. Are you interested? Yom Kippur is a day to accelerate that transformation, that upgrade. It's a day of purification to those who are interested. When you repent, when you take a step to God, God says, okay, you're interested. You're part of this class of people. You are a returnee. Here is your upgrade. And the whole day is designed to get us in that frame of mind. It's all about the prayer. We don't have any distractions of any food Prayer, introspection, repentance, confession, regret, thinking about what I really want out of life, becoming a candidate for divine cleansing. And of course, in the afternoon of Yom Kippur, we read the book of Jonah. And why do we read the book of Jonah? So, the Mr. Brewer, the Latter-day authority of halacha writes, We read the book of Jonah because it speaks about repentance and about the fact that we cannot escape from God. And the Sharetzion, which is the comment on the Mishnah Bruah, he writes the following thing. and I think this is something that we maybe should think about as we are on the doorstep of Yom Kippur. He says, a person sometimes thinks, I'm just going to give up. I can't fix myself. I can't improve myself. I can't change. I'm stuck in my ways. I have become habituated in the way that I am right now. I can't change. This is who I am. This is what you got I'm sorry, there's no way to change. And you tell this person, well, well, God insists that you change. And this person may say, if God insists, I'm sorry, I can't do it. He wants to kill me. I don't care. Let him kill me. Let him take away my chances. Someone can fall, can lapse into such despair, such a lack of conviction, of their capacity to change, that they could even give up on life and say, listen, you know, if it means that I die, I'm sorry, it's even harder. It's harder to change. I'm not scared of death, just just take me. I'd say I, I give up. But that's a mistake. Because in the end, what God wants you to change and improve and fix, that will happen. And if it doesn't happen in this lifetime, it will happen in the next lifetime. You'll come back and you'll come back and you'll come back until eventually you fix what the Almighty expects of you to fix. And therefore, it's a good argument to say, well, you're going to do it anyhow. Resistance is futile. Why should you suffer? Why should you die and suffer in all the manner of post-mortem cleansing, just to come back again and to be in the same place? And that's why we read the book of Jonah. On Yom Kippur, we have a tendency to say, it's too hard. This is who I am. It's too hard. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to repent. It's just too hard. And if it means that my life is over, so be it. To dispel that notion, we read the book of Jonah. The Almighty asked Jonah to go deliver a prophecy to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah didn't want to do that. He opted out. He refused. He said no. God says, no, okay, well, I'll kill you. And Jonah says, okay, I don't care. Do it. And he fled out to the sea and he was drowned in the water and he was swallowed by a fish and he was in the stomach of the fish for many days. If you looked at Jonah's situation he's in the fish you would conclude that's it. God will have to find a different prophet. There's no way that Jonah can do what the Almighty asked him to do. What happens in the end? The one fish it spells, disgorges Jonah to the second fish. Eventually Jonah is sent back onto land. And eventually he does what God asked him to do. This is a lesson for us on Yom Kippur. We must repent. We must come back to God. And if we don't do it now, It will eventually get done. We may suffer along the way, but it will happen anyhow. Resistance is futile. What the Almighty demands of you will happen, whether you like it or not, the good way or the bad way. And don't think that you could just escape to the grave. That's what Jonah tried to do. You cannot escape. It's against your will that you're formed, that you are created that you are born, that you live, that you die, and that you must fulfill the will of God. There's no way to stamp it. And therefore, now we have a chance. This is a day that we can make a supreme impact, a big dent, a quantum leap in our pursuit of perfection. We may feel fatigued, We may feel disenchanted. We may say, you know what? That's just beyond me. I'm too much of a sinner. I'm lost. I'm helpless. We may remember last year and say, well, uh, I tried it last year. It didn't really work. There's so much to do. There's not enough time. How much can you really accomplish in one day? I can't manage if I'm I'm so hungry. I start to dream about roles. And sandwiches. and all I can think about is my parched throat. We have to resist all these thoughts, all these feelings. It's too important to squander. There is an imperative. There is a necessity to repent. God just doesn't accept no for an answer. Jonah tried to hide. It didn't work. There's no place to hide and that's the reason why we read the book of jonah because this is the day that we have to change and resisting it it's futile and the truth is that there's so much opportunity if we have to do it anyhow the deal gets sweetened by the fact that the opportunity is so great If we make a small change on this day, it gets amplified in a fashion, in a manner that cannot be achieved on any other day. Our sages tell us that when we emerge from Yom Kippur, we should have one concrete resolution, a small resolution, a small resolution that we can take with us throughout the year. And that small resolution that we come to at the end of Yom Kippur can tip the scale permanently in our favor. With a tiny commitment on Yom Kippur, we can change the course of our lives. So yes, it's hard to change. And yes, like Jonah, we feel a tendency to just give up. But we can't give up and eventually will be forced to do it. And there's no better time than Yom Kippur when the impact is amplified and magnified and multiplied more than any other day. And there's a reason why a small resolution on Yom Kippur can change everything. The Talmud tells us that a person is judged as per their status, on the day of judgment. Suppose you have someone who God knows is eventually going to become a really terrible, horrific, horrendous sinner. But now, at the moment of judgment, they're righteous. How is such a person judged? The Talmud tells us that a person is judged the way they are right now, not based upon their future. And the proof is Ishmael, which we read on the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Ishmael was destined to become a sinner. But at that moment, when he was being judged, he was righteous. And thus he was judged as if he was righteous and will be righteous forever. Notwithstanding the fact that the Almighty knew and the angels knew that in the future he will become a terrible sinner. The policy of God is to judge a person the way they are now, not the way they are in the future. Thus says the Talmud book of Rosh Hashanah, page 16b. Now the Maharsha, the great commentator that's found on the back of every standard edition of the Talmud, he raises a question. How can you tell me that the way that the Almighty judges a person is the way they are right now, not the way they're going to be in the future? I can prove to you that that's not the case. There is a law called the ben Soreh umore the wayward and rebellious son. This is a boy, an adolescent, at a very specific time in their maturation, and they steal money from their parents, and they buy meat and wine and eat it in bad company. And the Torah tells us, read this in Deuteronomy in Parshas Tisetzeh, Such a person, such a boy, such a lad is executed. And the Thomas says, wait, why is this person executed? He's a naughty little boy. He's a mischievous little boy. He's a little rascal. But is it something which is a capital crime? Yeah, he stole some money. Yeah, he ate meat and wine and developed bad habits with bad company. But so what? Why should such a child be executed? And the Talmud tells us that although right now his behavior is quite innocuous, but the Torah can forecast to the future such a child at this specific age an important juncture of their development. When they do this constellation of behaviors stealing money and buying meat and wine and eating with bad company, this cocktail will result in a murderer. Eventually, the child will deplete the money of their parents and they'll have a habit. They'll be addicted to the meat and the wine and they'll steal from people and eventually they'll become a murderer. And therefore, let's kill him now when he's still innocent and not later when he is a murderer. We're going to execute this kid regardless. We know that for sure. It's better to do it now when the child is still relatively innocent than to do it in the future. Thus says the Talmud of the book of Sanhedrin on page 72B going into 73A. Scratch that. 71B going into 72A, if I'm not mistaken. So the Meshachar is asking a question. There's a contradiction. On one hand, in one book of Talmud, we're told the person is judged the way they are today, not the way they're going to be in the future. See, Ishmael. In a second place, the Talmud tells us the opposite. The ben Sora Umora, the wayward and rebellious son, is judged today precisely because of how they're going to behave in the future. Which is the way of divine judgment? Is it to ignore the future as was the case with Ishmael or to base the judgment precisely on the future my rabbi rabbi asher arieli he resolved this contradiction both are true a person is judged based upon how they are today and they're also judged based upon how they are in the future You're judged today, the way you are today, but not the way you are today in a vacuum, isolated, siloed off from the future. You are judged today the way you are today, extrapolated over a lifetime. You're on a trajectory. And if we take your current trajectory, the way you are right now, and we map it out for the rest of your lifetime, you're judged today based on your current trajectory, but the judgment, it stands all the way to the very end. And therefore Ishmael at that moment was righteous and was on a righteous trajectory. And if you map out his behavior today, over the course of a 100 million years, he would be righteous all the way through. So he is judged the way he is today based upon his current trajectory. The ben is also judged the way he is today, but his current trajectory is such that eventually become a murderer. And therefore, we judge him today the way he is today, but extrapolating his current trajectory over the course of his lifetime. That is how God judges, and it is consistent with the story of Ishmael in the book of Rosh Hashanah on page 16b and the Ben-Sorah Umura on page 71 and 72 of the book of Sanhedrin. So when we're told on your Kippur being judged, the final day of judgment, the sealing of the judgment... And our sages tell us that you make a small resolution and that will be the key to ensure that you have a positive judgment and you earn all the benefits of Yom Kippur. Now we know why. That small resolution is the course correction. It's the changing of the trajectory. It is about making sure that you begin to head in the right direction. It's taking that first step of a lifetime's journey on this day, on Yom Kippur. You're taking that first step mapped out over a lifetime. It would result if you keep along this journey in total righteousness, in total repentance, in total cleansing, and God judges you the way you are today, mapped out, extrapolated over a lifetime. People ask the question, if a person does, I don't know, half a million sins over the course of a year, how could you possibly repent for every single one of them in just one day of Yom Kippur? And the truth is, even though you try, you probably can't. But you know what you could do? You could make yourself into a penitent. You could take that one small step. You could start the process. And if you start the process, God judges you today based upon how the process would end proceeding along this timeline, along this trajectory. And therefore, you make a small resolution. A small resolution that if you continued along that path would result in total repentance and total closeness and total elevation and total greatness— That makes waves in heaven, and it changes everything, and you're judged already as if you've reached the end, the natural conclusion of that trajectory. The Rambam told us, Yom Kippur forgives for penitents, for repenters, for returnees. If you take the beginning of a journey, and you start to return, and you start to turn back, and you course correct, and you change your trajectory, you are a returnee. And even though you haven't addressed every single one of those thousands and millions of transgressions, the Umari will cleanse you from all your sins. He will forgive you. To purify you from all your sins. All your sins. All your sins. Why? Because you started a journey that will result in total repentance and God judges you today based upon the end, the natural conclusion of this trajectory. Truth is, it feels like a scam. I'm going to you know, try to repent to Yom Kippur. I'll emerge from Yom Kippur with one small resolution. And I'll have total forgiveness for everything. And yeah, that's why this day is so special. If I make a small resolution but one that firmly entrenches me in the camp of people that are returnees? If I find that first step of the journey to change my course, to change my trajectory, if I plant a seed, it could be an infinitesimally tiny seed compared to what it could become, but I plant a seed that can begin a pattern of life-changing growth. If I take a small resolution, that extrapolated over a lifetime, can legitimately be viewed as the first step of this long, treacherous, arduous journey back to God. Indeed, all of my sins will be forgiven. Some have likened this to an elevator. You want to get to the top of a skyscraper. It's more than a thousand feet in the air. You're going to push one button? You're going to get all the way to, the, to the top? Seems implausible. Seems improbable, seems unreasonable. But that's the power of the day. The rest of the year, you have to repent for every sin, piecemeal, this sin, that sin, that sin. You're playing whack-a-mole with all the sins. Our Yom Kippur God promises, I will purify you from all your sins, provided that you want, provided that you sign up, provided that you say, I'm interested, provided that you are in the camp of a returnee. And we do that throughout the whole day. Culminating in a small resolution. That resolution is the first concrete step of that journey. And that's the pushing of the button that shoots us all the way to heaven. And yes, it's hard. No one will tell you it's easy. We're not accustomed to days like Yom Kippur. We all favor We're biased towards being sedentary, being stuck in our ways, being lazy. It sounds like a lot of work to actually do this. But Jonah reminds us that eventually we have to do it. Eventually we have to get back on track and now is the best day to do it. Some people make three resolutions because there are three pillars that uphold the world. Torah, worship of God, service of God, and kindness. But regardless of the nature of your resolution, try to find something that can qualify as the first step of this very long journey. Find something that can be the first step if extrapolated over a lifetime will eventually result in total greatness. And regardless of what the resolution is, it should have some accompanying resolutions. There's a second and a third related resolution that should accompany the resolution, the small resolution. Number one, we should resolve that if we make a mistake, let's say a person says, you know what? I want to make sure that I take a small step. So after I go use the facilities, I'm going to say the blessing of Asher Yatzar. With devotion. But not not every time I go to the bathroom. Once a day. When I wake up in the morning, I'll say moda'ani. I'll thank God for his kindness. With concentration. A small resolution to just get us back on track. That should be accompanied with a second resolution that in the event that I get off track, that I violate that resolution, I won't discard the whole enterprise completely. Moreover, it's very helpful to have some means of follow-up to measure the impact of your resolution over the course of the year, but at least to monitor it, to remember it. Sometimes, with the blowing of the shofar, we could eat. We could eat. It's okay. It's sukkah's time. Got to build the sukkah. Got to assemble my lulav. And we just forget about Yom Kippur. That unfortunately tends to happen. So it's helpful to maybe make a calendar event, repeating every month, first of every month, to remind ourselves of Yom Kippur and what we have committed ourselves to, just a small step. Finally, it's also good advice to make a resolution that all the resolutions of the year in the event that I take any other steps in the year, let those benefits, let the benefits of all future resolutions that I don't even know what they're going to be, but all that should accrue to me now. Of course, God knows what resolutions you will yet make, what, you, what resolutions, what improvements you will yet make over the course of the year, and you want the benefits now when you are being judged and your verdict, your fate is being sealed There is alchemy on Yom Kippur. The Almighty is dispensing holiness and purification, is giving it out for whoever signs up. We enter as lead, we emerge as refined gold. But we need to do something. We need to be a penitent. We need to be interested. We need to sign up. And you sign up by saying, the Almighty, I want to know what it's going to cost me. And now we know the price. The price is repentance. Make sure that we are in the class of people that are penitents and then we earn the alchemy of Yom Kippur. I want to quickly talk about something else very important and that is the interpersonal behavior. The Mishnah tells us that the Almighty will forgive us for all of our sins, but only the sins that we did to Him. For interpersonal sins, if I cause any pain or suffering to my fellow man or woman, only if that person forgives me are those sins cleansed. For interpersonal sins, you have to appease your fellow and resolve their grievance. If you read the Mishnah very carefully, it does indicate that Yom Kippur does atone for interpersonal sins, provided that we appease our fellow. So the money says, okay, I'm going to forgive any grievance that I have. I'm ready to forgive if you're interested. But for all those interpersonal sins, we need to appease and mollify our fellow to earn that cleansing. A person could spend a thousand years fasting, repent for a hundred Yom Kippur's, but unless they secure forgiveness from the aggrieved party, they will not be cleansed from that transgression. And therefore, we're encouraged for Yom Kippur to try to earn forgiveness from others. If you caused, I don't cause someone else pain, we must secure their forgiveness. Call them up, speak to them, apologize, and ask For forgiveness. If someone has a grievance against us, Yom Kippur will not work to heal them. We must secure their forgiveness. And the mission says that we have to appease them. Don't ask for a shallow forgiveness. Try to really appease them. Try to restore the relationship. And Of course, it's not easy. No one wants to humble themselves and lower themselves. We have a very hard time admitting our guilt. But this is a necessary and integral part of the Umpipa transformation. And on the flip side, if you were aggrieved, if you have a grudge against someone else, try to find in your heart some room to forgive them. Be gracious. Be magnanimous in forgiving others. The Talmud tells us this is one of the ways that we can earn forgiveness from God. One of the perks that we have when we forgive others is that God will respond to us in kind and he will forgive us. Whoever forgoes their grievances, ma'virim lo Shav, All of his sins and iniquities will be removed. It doesn't end there. The Talmud elsewhere says. If you forgive others and you're gracious and magnanimous, even maybe if they're not deserving of it, God will make sure that you live a long life and you'll be saved from an unusual death and the bad judgment against you will be torn up and your bones won't rot after you die and your prayer will be heard and you'll merit Torah and the whole world will endure based upon your merit, and Elijah the prophet will appear to you. The Talmud says a lot of things about someone who's able to forgo the bad done to them. When we are wronged, it stings. It's painful. We feel hurt. And it's really hard to let go of that pain. And we're capable of harboring ill will for years and years against someone who wronged us. But on Yom Kippur, part of what we need to do on this day is to muster up the benevolence and the kindness and the mercy, the same kind of mercy that we want from God, to forgive them and to move on. And that, I think, is actually quite liberating when you forgive You really are unburdening yourself. There's the old saying, when you hold a grudge, it's like swallowing a poison pill and hoping that the other person dies. When you bear a grudge, you really gain nothing. You just have some agony, some pain, some hurt, and one fewer friend. Bearing a grudge is fruitless, forgiving. Is liberating. Find some room in your heart to do it, even though it's difficult. Everything about Yom Kippur is difficult. This is not easy. But everything that we do ripples throughout our whole lives and makes a huge impact and is magnified and amplified. Yom Kippur is upon us. It's a day of purification, a day where the mind says, who is interested? May we all be cleansed on this Yom Kippur for all our sins, both between man and God and man and our fellow. And may we emerge from Yom Kippur with a clean slate, like a new person, purified in the waters of atonement that are plentiful on this day. And when we're hungry and we're cranky and we're fasting and we can't concentrate on repentance, That's all part of the gift. That's all part of the opportunity. On the day when we need merits more than any other day, we have every second is another mitzvah. We're fasting. We are suffering. And that will all redound to our benefit. May we seize this opportunity. May we grab this opportunity. It's a golden opportunity. Let us not miss it. We can't hide Jonah tried and it's afternoon on Yom Kippur and we're reminded the end is near. The end of the day is is near. We can't escape. Let us make a move on this Yom Kippur. May we all have a meaningful Yom Kippur, an uplifting Yom Kippur, a productive Yom Kippur. May the Almighty hear all of our prayers. May He accept all of our prayers. May we all be inscribed and sealed into the book of life, the book of a good life, the book of a meaningful life, great health, great happiness, joy, prosperity for us, for our families, for our communities, for the whole nation. May we only hear good tidings from each other and from the rest of our brethren. I thank you for listening. It was great to spend this day before him, Kipper, with you from the Torch Center in Houston, Texas. As always, my email address is RabbiWalby at gmail.com.